Cancer Ralph Charles Paul Larry
loves everything and everybody. Because I love everybody and everything. And you know what, ladies? If you feel that this is you, then this is what I want you to do. If you feel, if you feel 
that they paid to see. But you get that free, baby. But you get the work so out of me. The things that I lost along the way took a whole lot out of me. I had become so blind.
Hey, I'm Savin Gavia, and you are now listening to Can I Play a Play live every Sunday at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Make sure you check out these good fellas at www.facebook.com forward slash playology. And also, make sure to get your copy of the new book entitled Who Is She and What Is She to You on Amazon or worldmovement.com. Can I Play a Play? <laughs> oh, pretty Tony. Put in I'm on it as you squeeze me like you need me. It's literal that you succeed because you got my knees weak. I'm ready for whatever, baby, don't tease me. I need it like this, but they continue as you please me. I'm here to testify you all that I got. Let's make it happen while I wait now, leave it.
Hello? 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 Yes, how are you? This is uh, Sam. Welcome, Sam. We've been waiting on you, man. How you doing today? Uh, not too bad, buddy. Sorry about that. No, we we understand. We understand you're a very busy man and got a lot of stuff going on in the United States, and uh, we welcome you taking time out to join us today. All right, man. I really appreciate you having me, and uh, and uh, God's good. All the time, not some of the time, but all the time. But I, you know, I almost, I almost ran out of a good thing to say about you, man. So I'm glad that you're here. You can speak for yourself. <laughs> okay, sounds good, man. Well, let's start start from the beginning, man, because I know about you, and uh, I know quite a few of our listeners know about you, but I always like to, to walk them through the park, you know, and let them know how you got to be who you are and come to doing all the wonderful things that you're doing today. Okay. Well, it, it, it didn't always start out like this here. I mean, a number of years ago, uh, I got into drugs at a very young age, and uh it seems like a lot of times if I give my testimony, a lot of people, they say, well, what kind of parents did he have? I had the perfect parents. I had middle-class parents, uh, born-again, spirit-filled parents. But at 11 years old, I thought I wanted to look older. I thought I wanted to fit in. I thought I wanted to be cool. So I started smoking uh, cigarettes, started smoking marijuana, and that was only the beginning of something that led me from 12 years old to experimenting with alcohol, 13 years old starting to experiment with drugs, 14 years old snorting cocaine, and then at 15, I didn't care anymore if I looked older or cool. I had a drug addiction. I mean, a serious drug addiction. And uh, I was getting up every morning, shooting up heroin, shooting up cocaine, and then I started selling drugs, and then that's when it really got crazy on me. <clears throat> it went from selling a little bit of drugs to selling a lot of drugs. And then it went from do- selling drugs to becoming a shotgunner for drug deals, which is a hired gun for drug deals. And as I tell the story, I tell people that I probably went as far off as you could ever go into that world until one night I almost lost my life. And that's the night that I said, I'm done, I'm finished, I'm walking away from this life. That was the big turnaround right there, huh? Right, right. I mean, I never had a problem with dying. Uh, But I have a problem with what I'm going to die for. If I'm going to die for something... I want it to be something worthwhile. I don't want it to be for a drug deal going bad or a barroom brawl. I mean, if I'm going to die for something, I want it to be something worthwhile, something that can make you a legend, something that people would talk about or stand over your casket and talk about how you stood up for something that was right. Was that was that something that was always in you, or did did that uh, did that happen once you kind of felt like you have done everything and kind of hit the floor? 
No, I think what happened to me was that night that I was I was on my way back home, and as I was driving, I realized that I almost lost my life for something stupid. So I just made up my mind. I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to live this life anymore. And I literally walked away from it, and I still struggled with the drugs for just a few months only. But I knew in my mind, in my heart, I knew that I was done. Now, a lot of people, if you've seen the movie Machine Gun Preacher, the movie shows that I had this big conversion, and and uh, I kind of went to church right away and gave my life to Christ. It didn't happen like that. It was actually two years from the time that I said I'm done until I walked into a church and gave my life to Christ. Well, two years. And I know what I was sitting here trying to put together. How did you go from there to the Sudan? You know, when I went into Sudan, I only went on a five-week mission trip with a church group never had an idea that I would be doing the work that I'm doing in Africa now. Uh, and I went into Africa on a five-week mission trip, but I come across the body of a small child that stepped on a landmine. And when I come across that body, I just couldn't believe, how could this happen in the world today and we not hear about it? But I stood over that body and I said, God, I'll do whatever I have to do to help these people didn't realize that I was giving my entire life. But that was 18 years ago, and I've been there going on 18 years now. Is it really Is it really as war-torn as a country really got the stuff going on? I mean, you know, the United States, for some reason, I guess the media here, you know, they have a tendency just to show us, you know, certain things. They don't really show us everything. Right. You know, South Sudan... Uh, was in peace for a couple of years. December 15th of last year, 2013, they went back into civil war once again. But keep in mind, you know, the civil war that's been going on for a number of years there, as well as Darfur, people people mentioned the one rebel group being, uh, uh, being in stuff, Joseph Kony. The other rebel group in the uh, Congo, was the Janjaweed, the rebel groups that's there fighting now. But keep in mind, those rebel groups are not the cause of the fighting. The cause has always been President Bashir of northern Sudan. President Bashir is one of the only presidents in all of history that has war crime charges placed on him and arrest warrants placed on him and still be in office. What I asked our country is, how can this happen? This man has been known to do genocide. Uh, there's been hundreds of thousands of people that have been murdered under his command, and he still be in office. So I think we need to be looking at President Bashir, and we need to be asking this question everywhere. Why is it being allowed? That's 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 some heavy stuff, man. So I can kind of understand. Um, I don't know what I can't understand, but I hear from what you're saying that uh, it's it's a, it's kind of like a volatile situation. Right, right. There's been people dying there, and one of the things about South Sudan is that in a lot of these rebel groups that's killing the people, 
they just don't walk up and kill someone. They torture them. So that, that, that makes them totally mad people that are just doing unbelievable things. You know, in Sudan, I've seen everything from people being skun alive to people being nailed to trees. Every horrible thing that you can think of will happen there in South Sudan. Well, how how do they feel about you coming in there doing the work that you're doing? You know, uh, rescuing you know, the kids, I, I feeding don't, the kids. I don't, now, uh, naturally, the rebels don't like me. The people that are there that's from Sudan, yeah, I mean, I get along with everyone. I work in Sudan, Uganda, and Ethiopia. Uh, I don't have no problem in any of those countries. Uh, we have six orphanages now. It keeps growing. Uh, uh, we feed almost 5,000 mills a day. Uh, we've drilled uh, dozens of wells. We've built four schools plus a Votech school over the last few years. So our work keeps growing constantly. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a question, too, in regards to the wells, because that's another thing that uh, <clears throat> the media always show us here about the water supply, about there's really no fresh water there. And I was always curious about it. It seemed like there wouldn't be a water shortage. And I know that, you know, you've dug wells. How is that going? You know, it's not it's not just Africa. In most third world countries, uh, they don't have clean water. And where you don't have clean water, you get a lot of people that are dying of parasites, other diseases, and stuff like that. In Africa, they are in desperate need in many countries in Africa to have good, pure, clean water. Uh, Uganda as well as Sudan. I mean, you take a lot of areas that has a lot of sickness, it'll go right back because they don't have a good borehole. They don't have good, safe water. I mean, it's, 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 it's a problem that can only be solved by getting good, safe water. And do you feel like, you know, wells is is the answer to dig wells, as many as possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you put a well in, you can literally save lives just by getting clean water. I mean, it's so, so, uh, I think us living here in America, uh, never having a water problem, it's hard for us to understand how can a well save thousands of lives. It's just because imagine if you had to go drink out of a mud puddle or out of a river. You would naturally get very sick. Children get diarrhea. Children get parasites. But even grown-ups get it. But it's more, it's, it's easier for a small child that wouldn't be eating healthy, that, that their health isn't real good anyways, that when they drink water like that, it's easy for, it's easy, it's easier for them to get sick and die from the water. Because of the all the different parasites, tell us a little about a little bit about the Angels of East Africa. You know, Angels of East Africa is an organization that I founded a number of years ago, and the big thing that we do is we rescue children, but uh, we feed children, we we give them schooling, we send them to university. One of the big things that I tell people around the world now is, you know, most third world countries. Uh, if you're in an orphanage, you have to leave at 15 years old. You're out. Uh, 16 years old, you are definitely out of 98.5% of the orphanages. You're out. 
70-some percent of those children end up in prostitution. So I believe there's something that we need to do. So Angels of East Africa, one of the things that we work at doing is uh, teaching a skill and teaching a trade to young people from the age of 16 to 26 years old, qualified children, we will send them to university. That's powerful. And uh, let me see what else I was going to ask you. And that, and that, along with uh, the other operation, the Worldwide Talent Exposure, that's another organization that you have to provide opportunity well, for these people. Right. World, worldwide Total Exposure is an organization that was created to cast the talent of Uganda and Ethiopia and Sudan. There's a lot of young people that has talent that their talent will never be casted or or showed anywhere else around the world unless we do it. Uh, one of the big things that we do is we take people's talent and we'll shop it, whether it be in America, Australia, UK, or whether it is we try to make young people famous around the world, not just for acting, but for singing, uh, artwork, uh, modeling, I mean, any kind of professional skill is what we cast around the world. That's also very exciting to provide other opportunities. Well, Sam, what do you see as your next, with your next challenge? Because I know this is an ongoing uh, life's mission. Right. What do you, you see know, we, next? We got a six-story building that we're finishing in Ethiopia. Uh, so I hope within the next 10 months this building will be done. This building is all about teaching a trade. It will bring in about 60 young people to stay in the building, but it's a bakery, a restaurant, hair salon, a uh, hotel, uh, many different businesses, but the entire building is about teaching a trade and a skill to young people and sending them to university. So the big task that we have right now is to have this building finished within 10 months. <clears throat> wow. Is the support for this uh, venture coming from inside of Africa or people in the United States, you know, that are contributing to this venture? Or You know, people, people from around the world that hear about us will go to our website. Uh, the easiest site to go to, Machine Gun Preacher. It's always easy to remember that, machinegunpreacher.com. Uh, our name is Angels of East Africa, but you can go onto that site. You can make a donation. But I am a preacher. I, I speak around the world. I do uh, inspirational speaking, uh, motivational speaking, plus I preach. Plus we have other businesses as well. We have a motorcycle shop. We build custom bikes. But the big thing that we do is every bit of money that we bring in through any of the businesses all go to help finance the work that we do. When you operate six orphanages, when you feed 5,000 meals a day, the budget is unbelievably every month what we got to put out. I can imagine. I mean, you know, I just can't imagine, and that's that's awesome, you know, and seem like more people would be uh, more inclined to – get behind you and support based on, you know, your story. And it's, uh, I mean, we've a lot of us have walked that walk, but it's not too many of us had the opportunity to turn it around, you know, and actually give it back and, and help some people. Right, right. 
Well, we, we do very well, but we've got to be on the road all the time making awareness. Uh, we are supported by hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people. Uh, a lot of people, they say, well, I can't really do anything. I can only afford 10 or $20 a month. You got to remember our ministry, the work that you've been hearing about here over the past few minutes is all done by people giving 10 and $20 a month. Uh, we have a lot of people that gives a little bit. Like I tell people all the time, I don't need a few people to give a lot of money. I need a lot of people to give a little bit, and then we'll make it work. And that makes that makes a whole whole lot of sense for people that's wishing. You know, we got this big. Um, I don't know if it's a, a lot of misinformation in regards to people that's looking to travel to Africa. They always seem to be concerned about a whole bunch of shots they supposed to ta- to take in right. the, the country. How factual is that? Since I know you, you know, out all the I time. believe I I believe there are some areas right now that is a little bit dangerous. Most of those borders are shut down because of the Ebola uh, epidemic. Uh, but I believe that if if God's moving on you to go to another country, do a little bit of research who you're going to help, who you're going to be with. Do some research on that on that uh, country. Do a little bit of research where you're going, and the big thing to do a lot of is prayer. If God wants you there, you can't go wrong. Uh, but but I believe no matter where we travel, even if we travel in the U.S., we need to have wisdom because if we have, have wisdom and knowledge, then we can be safe on any of our travels. And I believe that the way things are right now around the world, any third world country, as an American we need to really be safe in our traveling. Well, that's so very true, too, because you never know. You just never know. For our listeners that uh, wish to go out and get information on you, I know you have a, a, a biography available for purchase. Uh, where can they go get that? Uh, now, you can you can go to our website or you can call our office, Machine Gun Preacher. If you go to the website, your phone numbers are on there. Uh, that's MachineGunPreacher.org. Uh, most, uh, just about any bookstore, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Borders, any of those bookstores will have my first book called Another Man's War. Uh, Another Man's War is the book that was written that Hollywood made the movie of, Machine Gun Preacher. Uh, my second book are also in the bookstores, but you can get it from our office as well, called Living on the Edge. And the documentary is out now, the Machine Gun Preacher documentary. The only place you can buy it until probably February next year is by ordering it from our uh, 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 warehouse, our personal office in Pennsylvania. Uh, But just about any bookstore will have both of my books. All right, then. You guys go out and support Mr. Sam Childers on this book because he's doing some tremendous things for saving the children and doing a little bit more than the average person is. So that alone uh, uh, means everything. One other question for you, Sam. Uh, on uh, the Gerard Butler, on the movie, did were you uh, just a consultant or did they have you in the movie? No, I was just a consultant. I did do a cameo. I was supposed to have a, a longer part in the movie, but
but when they were cutting the movie, they had to cut the one part that I was to be in. They had to cut it out, but I did do a cameo. I tell everyone, look for me. You will see me in the movie. you got to look hard, but you'll see me. I've done a cameo in it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back and look for you again. I know you had mentioned to me uh, you were working on another uh, movie, and I don't know if that's something we can talk about or not. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. There, There is a part two of Machine Gun Preacher that is uh, – in script writing right now, it's it's actually on the on the second rewrite now. Uh, we hope to have it in the production uh, 2016, probably the end of 2016. But uh, worldwide total exposure is getting ready to shoot a movie in Uganda the end of January. Now this this is not. Uh, this is not a movie about the work that we do. It's just a movie that we're involved in shooting in Uganda. That's the one I'm going to be in, right? Yeah, man. We want to get you over there. We're hoping <laughs> That's to. That's the one I'm going to be in, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds, sounds good. Well, Sam, I definitely want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us and let our listeners know a little bit of something about what you got going on and how they can, you know, support you uh, in your work. How long are you going to be in the United States? Uh, Probably for about another five to seven days, and then I'll be back in Africa, and then uh, I think I'm back in the U.S. then again in, uh, uh, I think in March I'm back here again. March. Well, we're definitely going to keep in touch, man, and, and do whatever we can do to help support you. And um, chances are I'll be in Uganda before March and back here by March. That's what we're hoping. We're hoping to get you over there and get your talent used over there to change other people's lives. And that's what I'm all about. And that's what I'm all about. Because when I become an old man, old older man, should I say, I want to look back at my life and know that it meant more than walking around stepping on ants every day. Right. Absolutely, man. Definitely want to leave some type of legacy um, just so I'll feel comfortable know that I've been here and that my life actually made a difference. Praise God. That's wonderful. Well, again, Sam, I want to thank you, thank you and your family, Uh, thank Kevin, uh, Lisa, Audra, you know, our whole team. Yep, yep. We're all doing uh, the best we can to make a difference if we can. Well, thank thank you you all very much, and uh, God bless you all, and thanks for having us on. Well, thank you for coming, and we will be in touch soon. Okay, God bless. Bye. Mr. Sam Childers, everybody, go out and support The Machine Gun Preacher. If you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie. It's definitely worth the time and effort to go do so because the man is doing uh, tremendous work. And as usual, you know, you listen to your, your man, your guy, your favorite talk show host, any and everywhere, Kate Dizzle, The Licks of Love, and you're listening to can a play a play and we hope to bring you some exciting people let you know what they're doing around the world next week we also have a a great show we back on the anti-bullying subject with mr karen mrs should i say karen 
Severson. It also has a powerful testimony, so please join in next week, 2.30 PST, to hear Miss Karen Severson. She also has a book and a movie about her life to be coming out very, 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 very soon. All right? Well, hang in there. Continue listening, boy. K. Dizzle, Alexis Love, Don't Go Nowhere.
Yeah, 
to make love, to be loved by you, baby, to have your warm body close to mine, to whisper words that make you feel like a woman. Girl, I know our love will stand the test of time. Then kiss me up. 